0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, and today I am joining you from beautiful Progressive Field, the Guardians taking on the Kansas City Royals this afternoon, 4 o'clock start. Um, But before we get into all that is going on with the Cavaliers, which is plenty, 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 Chris Fedor yesterday was supposed to record the podcast, but you had a catastrophic day yesterday. Oh my tell god! Tell me, tell me what happened, and and are you are you good? Are you okay? Do I have to tell
1: you? Oh my god, it's so embarrassing.
0: <laughs> oh, even better. I thought it was just sad. If it's embarrassing, even better. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's sad and embarrassing because okay. I'm I'm almost forty <laughs> years old, and I need to be more responsible, and I need to be smarter when it comes to doing things in life. Um. <laughs> So yesterday in the morning, I was participating in a golf outing with um, my buddy, Zach Meisel, who you know very well. He covers the Guardians for The Athletic. He used to be with us at Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer.
0: Yes, I heard about this outing.
1: Him and I were playing in a golf outing in Solon. Grantwood Golf Club, I believe, is the name of it.
0: That it is, yep.
1: And so here's the thing. Like, every time I go golfing, I put my keys in one specific pocket of my golf bag, or or I put my keys, like, right in the cart if we're going to be driving, because it's usually pretty safe. Um, This time, I did not do that with my keys. Like, I didn't put them in either location. I didn't put them in the golf cart, and I did not put them in the zippered pouch of my golf bag. I don't know why. Honestly, no idea why. Uh, Maybe because I was in a little bit of a rush. Maybe because I was more interested in getting to the putting green and to the uh, driving range so that I could hit some balls before the outing started. It was a shotgun start at, like, 9 o'clock, so I wouldn't say that I was scrambling around, but my mind was elsewhere. So. I don't know where I put my keys. They might have been still in my pocket. Um, And they are somewhere on Grantwood Golf Course.
0: Oh, no. My car keys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Nobody's found them yet?
1: No, nobody has found them to this point. Okay. And it was obviously the key to get into my car. And the story continues here. So we get done around, like, 1.30, 1.40, and President of Basketball Operations, Kobe Altman, was holding a Zoom call around 2 o'clock, Hayden. Yep. And I had to be part of that. So, like, my computer bag was in the SUV because I had brought my computer because I was going to do the Zoom call from Grantwood, maybe in my car or maybe in one of the conference rooms so that's how i was going to participate in the zoom call with my computer but the bag was in the suv and i had no access to get into my car to get my computer bag because i didn't have my car keys because they're somewhere on the golf course who knows where and so i quickly downloaded the zoom app for my phone so that i could participate in the zoom call and While that was happening, I was calling locksmiths. I was calling my wife to see if we had a spare set of car keys. I was talking to people in the pro shop to see if anybody had turned in my keys. Um, But it was a complete and utter nightmare. And by the time um, I had gotten done um, with the Zoom call with Kobe, it was about 25 to 30 minutes or something like that. I still had no clue how I was going to get home from the golf course. I had no clue how I was going to get into the SUV. So I walk up to the guy in the pro shop and I say, hey, can I just borrow a golf cart and just drive around and see if I can retrace my steps, go step for step where we were. We started on hole five and just see if maybe my keys are out there and I can find them somewhere and I can get really, really lucky. He said, sure, go ahead. You have the course to yourself because there was a golf outing that I had just finished up. So I did that for about a half hour while Holly was napping and she wasn't answering my calls.
0: <laughs> oh, God.
1: Oh, so, I have no idea if we have a spare set of keys at home. I can't remember that. And she's not picking up the phone because she's napping. So I drove around the golf course. I didn't find my keys at all. Called a locksmith. Guy said, I can't get there until Monday. I said, Monday? Are you kidding me? It's freaking Friday. (laughs) I'm not going to sit here the entire weekend with my SUV just parked in the parking lot of the golf course. So I called another locksmith from like the Youngstown area. was like,
0: can't get there until like eight o'clock.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. Like all these things just popped up when I Googled. man. I said I can't get there until like eight o'clock and I said well that doesn't help me very I mean this is par for the course like everything just going wrong in my life over the last couple of days yes so at this point like, I don't know what to do my wife's not answering her phone to find out if we have an extra set of so like I don't know what I'm supposed to do like I called my dealer too and I say like hey is there anything that can be done about this like what does somebody do in this situation? Because I've never been in this situation before. I've never lost my car keys somewhere. I've never not been able to get into my SUV. I've never been stuck 40 minutes away in Solon at a golf course. And I'm just like going through the list of what can I do here? Um, So I, I called my dealer and I said, like, what does somebody do in this situation? Do I get it towed? all the way to north homestead and and like have you guys give me a replacement key that way do i get it towed to like an ace hardware um what do i do here so finally holly woke up and she called me back and she drove out 45 minutes and thank god that key that we found sitting in a bowl was my backup key and I was able to get into my SUV and drive home. And I probably got home. Again, we finished our round at 1:30. I probably got home after this whole ordeal at 5:30 in the evening.
0: Jeez, what a day! Yeah, goodness. But hey, what you know what? Day. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Hopefully oh. you find. Could have. Hopefully you find your keys, or they find your keys somewhere on the course. I mean, I don't know where somewhere. they could be. So here's the other thing. Zach
1: Meisel lost, like, a bag tag, his Elyria Country Club member bag tag. It's the smallest thing, right? Yeah. He lost it, and he noticed it on, like, hole 12. He's like, oh, no, where'd my bag tag go? I lost it. (laughs) Smallest thing, right? Somebody found that somebody found that and turned it into the pro shop, but nobody found my freaking car keys. I couldn't believe it.
0: Oh, that, well, you, that is the definition of when it rains, it pours my friend. Well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you figured it out. I'm, I, you know, it could be very worse. And, uh, but that's rough. That's a rough day. Um, all right. We, we've, we've spent too long in the nonsense and I'm, 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 I'm glad you're good, but the people want to hear about the calves and the calves made some, uh, very, very specific moves uh, in this free agency uh, period. They first um, agreed to a deal with George Niang. Now, uh, now being the spelling guy, is that is that, or, ah. excuse me, the uh, the pronunciation guy, is that correct? George Niang is not Georges or Georgie or something. George.
1: It is George. George Niang. Good job. Perfect. I'm surprised Thank you. you got that right.
0: The only reason I got that right was because I covered him in the NCAA tournament. The first time I ever covered a major sporting event when Aaron Kraft hit the shot over his head. So that's why I remember. Yeah, that's why I remember it. Iowa State versus Ohio State. George Niang. Yep. And then um, later would agree to a deal, uh, a trade to bring in Max Drews. Am I pronouncing that correctly?
1: That is correct.
0: Yes. All right. Max Max Struess. He has agreed to a four year deal uh, to stay with the Cavaliers Um, to come to the Cavaliers. Come to the Cavaliers. Yes. But then stay to the stay with the Cavaliers as well for four years. And then um, in the midst of that trade, Jetty Osman heading to the San Antonio Spurs, um, as well as Lamar Stevens heading to the San Antonio Spurs. And then the Cavaliers signed uh, guard Ty Jerome. So, they addressed some very specific needs. And oh, by the way, brought back Karis LeVert, um, which was probably their biggest move of the offseason. So, you got three shooters in Karis LeVert, George Niang, and uh, Max yep. Drews. You added Ty Jerome to kind of be a backup point guard type player because we saw what happened with Ricky Rubio last year. Fans aren't overly mm-hmm. excited, but you know what? I think that they did a hell of a job addressing shooting, addressing what they needed, getting some wings, getting some size. I think it was a really, really positive and um, really good free agency for the Cavaliers.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Aiden. Like, again, none of these guys that they acquired, even Karis LeVert, that they brought back, they aren't all-stars, but they don't have to be all-stars because the Cavs no. already have future all-stars. Like Darius yeah. Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. That's the core four. The goal of this offseason was to try and find guys that could complement those pieces. And I definitely think that the Cavs were able to do that. Um, and I think based on the resources that they had to use this offseason, there isn't much better that they could have done. And I wrote about this for Cleveland.com. If you think that maybe the Cavs possibly overpaid for Max Struess, you know, his contract is right in line with a lot of players similar to him that are shooting specialists, that are movement-based guys. Um You know, Doug McDermott, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, either Bogdanovich that you want to talk about, Joe Harris. They're all right there in the same contract range. So that's the going rate for players like Max Struess. Um, And there's nobody else that was available to the Cavs that they could have afforded that was going to be better for them than Struess. That was an unrestricted free agent. So I don't know what else anybody wanted them to do based on what they could have accomplished throughout the course of the offseason. Like if they would have done something more significant, something that maybe would have moved the needle a little bit more, then it would have been them shaking up the roster. And it would have been them considering a trade of Jared Allen. And I just don't think they were ready to do that. And I don't think they should have been ready to do that because this group together has only had one year together. And in the one year, they won 51 games. They got to the playoffs. Yes, they got bounced in the first round, and it was a non-competitive series, and it was a terrible performance against the New York Knicks. But I just think this group has earned the right to get another opportunity together while seeing what it can look like and what it can be like with the organization addressing the other key weaknesses. And that's what the Cavs were able to do this offseason. And I think based on what they could realistically accomplish, they did the best that they could.
0: I completely agree. And again, there's no there's no saying that they're done. I mean, it seems like they might be done. But, you know, remember last year, like I told you multiple times, Donovan Mitchell was traded uh, September 1st. So there's There is, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but there's still opportunity for things to happen. And, um, but I think in the short term, yeah, I think you're right. I think they got better. Um, They added shooting that they desperately needed. They upgraded the bench, which they desperately needed. Um, And I think that, you know, adding players that they've added is a really, really big step for them. Like we said, they needed shooting. They needed a wing um, and they got both. They got shooting and wings. So it it was exactly what they needed at at that point. Um, Furthermore, they added um, a backup center. And his yeah. name is his name is eluding me right Damian now. Damian Jones. Damian Jones. Okay. We talked about adding a backup center. Now that being said, is Damian Jones that is that the piece at the backup center, or is that kind of the Robin Lopez, and then they need to add another one?
1: Um No, I mean, I think like that's the guy that they're looking at as potentially the third big. Um, He's bounced around the NBA throughout the course of his career after being a late first-round pick. But we've talked about this too, Hayden. They don't need a ton from the backup center spot. Right. Um, Jared Allen's going to play a whole bunch of minutes, and Evan Mobley is technically the backup center. Um, So they just need somebody who's going to give a little bit more on the court than what Robin Lopez did last year. and. Damian Jones, again, hasn't found a home in the NBA. He hasn't been a first-round pick type player that he was drafted to be. He hasn't morphed into that. But at this stage of his career and where Robin Lopez was at his stage of his career, like I think I'm pretty comfortable in saying that the Cavs are going to get more from Damian Jones this coming year than what they did from Robin Lopez last year. Like Robin Lopez looked done, done, yeah. done, done. Yeah. Could not move. Could not function. Could not keep up. Brought nothing on the court for the Cavs. Um,
0: it, go ahead. Damian Jones just looking at his highlights, which is you know yeah. highlights, uh, but right. seems to be much more athletic than than than. And by much more, I mean like Living. like feels more. Oh, here we welcome go! Welcome you to Progressive Hold on. <laughs> and the Kansas City Royals. I told you I was a progressive. The yeah, I wasn't lying.
1: Now open. We hope you enjoy your visit to the ballpark.
0: So, if you've never heard Bob, if you've never heard Bob Tayak in these whistles. You hear it your time. <laughs>
1: oh, that's amazing!
0: All right, we good? We're good. I think so. Uh, now and now the music's going to start being loud. I'm going to have to move. Yeah, you're probably. to. no, we're good. Mm. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. All right. right. Um, what was I going to say?
1: Uh, Damian Jones more athletic than yes.
0: Damian Jones like like astronomically more athletic than uh than Robin Lopez, which you know (laughs) that could help. Yeah,
1: I mean. I think the Cavs are honest about what they need from that position. I think they're honest about the signing that they made with Damian Jones. Um, So, again, it's it's not somebody who is a significant pickup by any means. It's not somebody who's going to go on and make all-star appearances or even play 20 to 25 minutes a night. Um, But it's just another depth piece and a more reliable, more ready NBA player than if the Cavs were going to have to turn to like Isaiah Mobley on a two way contract to give some productive minutes. Um, And that's all this is. That's all this is. And then Ty Jerome is a third point guard. He's an insurance policy for Ricky Rubio. He's somebody that the Cavs have liked for years. They tried to draft him in 2019. He went two picks in front of their slot. They ended up with Dylan Windler and Ty Jerome went number 24 and then this past off season when the Cavs were looking at additions um they had a conversation with Ty Jerome about signing a two-way contract with the Cavs he chose instead to go to the Golden State Warriors but the Cavs have kept tabs on him they've stayed in contact with his people they made it known to him that they like him and if he becomes a free agent again what about Cleveland and they were able to get him and Again, not a great addition, but somebody that can boost their depth, somebody that is probably at this stage of his career more playable than Howell Neto was last year for the Cavs at various points. Um, So the the, the moves that they made were were definite um, upgrades, I would say, and they were specific targets that the Cavs had going into this offseason, and they feel really, really good about what they were able to accomplish.
0: So the kind of weird thing, and not a weird thing, the kind of different thing about Ty Jerome is that maybe he's not as great a shooter from the three-point, but he is a he was a phenomenal shooter from uh, two-point range last season, 48%, um, or even, bi- excuse me, even better than 48%. He has, like, this little floater that he does. Yeah. 26 Fun years old. Yeah, there's there, there's a lot to like about what he brings. I mean, what the Warriors was kind of, you know, uh, maybe the uh, victim of having, you know, all these great guys around him with, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and whatnot. Didn't get a lot of playing time. But I think as a backup point guard, he could be a very solid kind of sneaky pickup.
1: Yeah, and that's all that they need because Donovan Mitchell is going to have the ball in his hands and Darius Garland is going to have the ball in his hands and the Cavs expect better from Ricky Rubio, who I'm told is going to play for the Spanish national team, um, for the FIBA world cup, that could help him shake off some more rust that could help him get some more competitive game action going into this coming season. That could help him be in a better position to help the Cavs on the court coming into this coming season. Karis Levert's going to get some ball handling opportunities running the second unit. So I just think, you know, the Cavs have a lot of different options, um, when it comes to initiating offense, creating shots for themselves, creating shots for others. And that's one thing that it was clear that the Cavs went out this offseason to try and do, besides the shooting and the floor spacing, which was obvious. And Kobe Altman talked about that being the game plan going into the offseason. Gotta add more shooting, gotta add more spacing, gotta make it easier on Darius, Donovan, Jarrett, and Evan Mobley and all those different guys um, Karis LeVert as well, create some driving lanes so that he can slash all the way to the basket. That was obvious. But they also wanted to give JB Bickerstaff some more options when it came to lineup versatility and lineup construction. You know, I think um JB felt like every decision that he was making when it came to the guys beyond the top six, he was giving up something, either giving up offense or giving
0: the Cavaliers there with Ty Jerome also. Uh, has a relationship with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Which could be
1: beneficial. I mean, again, Donovan's not ultimately, when it comes time for Donovan to make his future decision, he's not going to make his decision based on, like, oh, the Cavs went out and got some of my buddies. You know what I mean? But, no, like, the belief is it's about what is going to make things best for the Cavs to compete in the Eastern Conference? Ultimately, Donovan has talked about his desire to win. So the Cavs are trying to construct a roster um, that can compete with the top teams in the Eastern Conference. It's a bonus that he has a relationship with George Niang. They played together in Utah. It's a bonus that he shares an agent with Karis Levert. It's a bonus, and it doesn't hurt, that he grew up playing AAU ball with Ty Jerome. And what that does mean to me is that the Cavs have brought Donovan into the mix when it comes to how can we build this team um, to make it the best possible team to compete in the East? Like, what kinds of thoughts do you have, Donovan, on, on roster construction, on the types of players that we need to go out in the offseason and acquire. And it doesn't mean that Donovan's pulling the strings. And it doesn't mean that Donovan's making all of the decisions for the front office. But it means that they're bringing him into the mix and they're trying to get into his mind. Um, And I think him feeling like he's part of that, like an ingrained part of what is being built here, I think that's something that appeals to somebody like Donovan.
0: Right. Um in adding these and adding these guys, I'm looking, you know, we we talk all the time about um the rotation with um, with JB Bickerstaff. And you add, you know, you add mm-hmm. three players, in Ty Jerome, Darius Garland, George Yang. Um, you're probably already somewhere near 10, right? I mean, you got Donovan Darius, Niang, Struess, Mobley, Allen, Jerome, Akoro, and that's eight right there. Uh, Dean Wade potentially could get minutes. Car- oh, and we forgot Karis LeVert. So you add Karis LeVert to yeah. that mix, that's nine. I mean, is that going to be the, is JB's rotation going to be bigger because he has more pieces now, or is it going to be still be nine guys that, you know, and maybe it's going to be harder for a guy like Ricky Rubio to find the floor, um, a guy like even Isaac Okoro to find the floor?
1: No, I think it's going to be harder for a guy like Ty Jerome to find the floor.
0: Okay. Okay. (laughs) If we're
1: being honest about it, right? Sure. Like, Ricky is the veteran stabilizer. There's more known when it comes to Ricky, and Ty Jerome is more in that role of, like, how Neto. Like what what happens if if Ricky needs a night off? What happens if Ricky is in foul trouble? What happens if Ricky's not performing, and they want to give it to somebody who could maybe perform? You know what I'm saying? Like at yeah. the very least, it's just options for JB right. Bickerstaff. Um, it's a little bit more playable depth for JB Bickerstaff. Um, but but I think JB is somebody who has shown more comfort, Hayden when it comes to nine or 10 guys, and he has gone on record saying that that's what makes him most comfortable when it comes to balancing a rotation. And even if he does feel better about the options that he has to go to on his bench, I think a coach has to stick to their own comfort zone. And I would be surprised if all of a sudden JB starts consistently playing 11 or 12, um, just because he has shown Uh, no willingness, no desire, no comfort in doing that.
0: Is it fair to assume that Struess will be in the starting lineup, Karis and (laughs) Nying will come off the bench?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, At least
0: to start the year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it all depends on on how these guys perform and how the lineup looks and how the lineup functions together. Um, You know, JB showed a willingness to adapt based on um, what was going on in the first few weeks of the season. He started with Karis Laverta, at the small forward. Karis didn't love the fit. JB didn't love the fit. They moved him out of that starting lineup, and they went with Lamar Stevens. Then eventually they ended up with Isaac Okoro. So I think there's always going to be a possibility that what, what happens to start the year is not how things finish or what it looks like midway through the season. But Max Strus was brought here to complete the starting five. Max Strus was the top name on the Cavs' free agency wish list. Like, the skill set that he brings to the table is exactly what they feel like they need to complete the starting five. That spacing. That shooting threat. That ability to create some off-ball movement. That ability to create um, some some more easy looks inside um, for Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, because the defender is hugged up on Max Struess on the perimeter. And they're so concerned about what it is that he's doing Um, an ability to allow Darius and Donovan to attack defenders in a different kind of way and not have them um, not have those defenders set their eyeballs and their focus on Darius and Donovan when they have the ball. Um, There's just a different threat level that comes with somebody like Max Struz Even if he's not knocking down shots, he can still have that kind of threat to an opposing defense. He has that kind of shooting reputation that I think is just going to open things up completely. Um, and I think it's going to complete the starting five. So I would be very, very surprised after the Cavs gave him 15 million dollars a year a little bit more than 15 million dollars a year and gave up jetty osman lamar stevens and second round picks that max Struz would not be um the fifth starter for this team
0: so with max streus he's not that big he's six five you know defensively what are your thoughts on how he would fit in uh with this you know the, they call themselves a a defense first team and obviously they needed shooting and they wanted that to help them but um Streuss is known for his shooting. Is it going to be a problem defensively because he's not as big as maybe um, your typical wing?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if the Cavs had their choice, Hayden, of anybody in the NBA to fill out their starting five, they would take somebody bigger and stronger to deal with Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown um, and Chris Middleton and Giannis. And Tobias Harris and some of these other wings that the Cavs are going to see throughout their run in the Eastern Conference. But, like, it doesn't work that way. You don't just go into a wing store and pluck the best wing possible and say, he's mine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, I I think there are legitimate concerns about Struess's defense. Um, The impact metrics for him on the defensive end are just horrible. They're near the bottom of the NBA. Um, but I think there are a couple of things. Number one, the Cavs feel like what he's going to bring them offensively is going to be plenty of plenty enough for that to offset some of the limitations defensively. And I think the other thing is they feel good about the fact that they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley protecting whoever it is on the perimeter, yeah. whether it's Darius, whether it's Donovan, whether it's Struess. Um, whether it's Ricky Rubio, if the Cavs take a small step back, so they were the number one defense in the NBA last year, if they take a small step back and fall outside the top five because they're starting Max Struess and they're playing him 28 to 32 minutes a night, they are okay with that, provided their offense raises to a level that was much better than what anybody saw from them this past year. So there's a give and take and playing Jared Allen and Evan Mobley together limits some of the offensive production and it limits some of the spacing. Um, but the Cavs were willing to do that because of what they did defensively. And I think it's the same thing with Strews. Um, but it's just opposite. Like, yeah. He's going to give it up on the defensive end. He's not going to be able to slow down some of the premier wings in the NBA. But if he gives them what they think he can offensively, they're okay with that level of sacrifice.
0: Does it concern you, the the numbers last year, um, significantly worse three-point percentage? He would hit 41% uh, 21-21-2022 last year, only 35%. Is that concerning at all? I think
1: it's a little bit concerning because which one's more real or is yeah. what's real right in between those two numbers? Is he Probably. really That's just like the case. Yeah. Is he really just a 37, 38% three point shooter as opposed to a 40% one. But like if he's shooting that percentage on big time volume and he's threatening a defense everywhere he goes, there's value in that beyond just the shooting percentage. Right. And the truth is, like, what he can potentially do to a defense in terms of that level of threat is different than Jetty Osman, right? It's different than Isaac Okoro. It's different than Karis Levert. It's different than Lamar Stevens. And that's the thing that the Cavs were looking at. So if he does all of that and shoots only 35 or 36%, I still think there's value in that. Now, if he does all that and he shoots like 40, 41 percent because he's getting better looks from Darius and Donovan. OK, like now we're really, really talking about an offense that can hum. Um, so I think based on the the lineup around him and with Darius and Donovan commanding so much of the defensive attention, I think Struess is going to get better looks. I think he's going to get more open looks, um, even if the Cavs don't use him exactly the same way that Miami did. um, I still think, regardless of his shooting percentage, there's going to be an impact felt, um, and there's going to be a trickle-down effect.
0: Let's talk George Yang for a minute. Um, Like we said, probably a guy that comes off the bench, veteran in the NBA, played with uh, Donovan Mitchell before in Utah. Um, He is a legit 40% three-point shooter. I mean, he's done it. Yeah. Um, did it last year, did it the year before. I mean, is this just your prototypical sharpshooter coming off the bench that has some size at six, seven, six, eight?
1: Yeah, I think so. That's who he's been his entire career. Like, all but 30, I think, of his total three-point attempts last year were catching shoots. So he's just somebody who is going to stand out on the perimeter. He's going to pull defenders closer to him on the perimeter. And he's going to wait for driving kick opportunities from Darius, Karis, Ricky, and Donovan. Um, in a way, it's it's what it's the kind of role that Kevin Love was playing for the Cavs before his buyout. Now he's not Kevin Love. He doesn't have that same resume. He's not heading to the Hall of Fame, but stylistically, they're going to ask him to do some of those same things. Um and I think the Cavs feel like he can play 3 through 5. Probably not that much 3, but he's got the ability based on matchups to play 3 through 5. So he's another option for a small ball center. Um and I think he's more ready to help a team or at least it would appear that he's more ready to help a team that's pushing for a playoff spot because he's done it throughout his career. Did it in Utah, did it in Philadelphia. He's more ready to do that than somebody like Dean Wade, who just, you know, when the Cavs threw their support behind him and they asked him in a roundabout way to fill Kevin Love's shoes, he was not able to do it.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And that's exactly the role that you're right. They kind of are looking for. Probably actually, I mean, Kevin's Kevin, um, but maybe with Nyang being a little younger, being a little, uh, you know, more spry, maybe could fill those shoes pretty admirably uh, for the Cavaliers this season. Chris, we talked a lot about, you know, these additions and, and rightfully so, you know, they're the new guys, they're they're what we're, um, you know, talking about as they enter the fold here, but we haven't seen them, we won't see them on the court for a while. On the other hand, you have seen um, Imani Bakes, you have seen Pete Nance, you have seen some of these guys on the floor at Cleveland Clinic Courts uh, over the last couple of weeks. They've had some summer camp stuff, um, or summer ball stuff, I should say. Um, what have your impressions been of Imani Bates, uh, of Pete Nance, of some of the guys they've brought in um, to in for this rookie camp, and and how they've been looking, sounding? I mean, Imani Bates said that he's felt the best he's ever felt in his life uh, now that all the pressures off or whatnot. Is is that kind of correct in what I in what he was saying there?
1: None of them are going to be capable of helping the Cavs. Okay, that's the big takeaway, and and that's yeah. okay, right? Um Pete Nance was undrafted. Um, yep. Imani Bates was the number 49 pick in the draft, and he's 19 years old. Uh, Isaiah Mobley is on a two-way contract. He was on a two-way contract last year. None of these guys are... Isaiah would have the best chance of helping the Cavs this coming season, but none of them look capable of doing that on a consistent basis. And Imani Bates showed in his first summer league game here's the thing, right? It's summer league. It's only one game. You always have to attach the qualifier and the caveat, but Amani Bates, like the good things that you like about him, the length, um, the height, and just the NBA shooting range, those showed up in the first game of summer league. But, like, all of the reasons why he fell to number 49 in the draft and all of the reasons why it didn't come together for him in Memphis and it didn't um, completely come together for him at Eastern Michigan to a point where he was able to raise his stock and get into the first round or early second round, all of that showed up, too. He is years away from being ready to play NBA basketball. And again, that's okay, and that's why he signed a two-way contract. And he's only 19 years old, and that's why President of Basketball Operations Kobe Altman said on his conference call or his Zoom call yesterday with reporters that um, they have to have a lot of patience with the money, and they're in no rush to put him out on a court.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they would have a rush or why would they wouldn't have patience, to be honest. I mean, like you said, it's kind of a one of those... Uh draft picks where it's kind of a stash away where you can but you stash away close to home if that makes any sense like you know he can be in Cleveland play with the charge get some experience get get some maturity you know learn and they're already in a spot where they that's why they added their free agents that's why they added guys to this roster to get better so that they can compete in the short term but I think Imani Bates was always a long-term play a guy that you were not expecting to come in and kind of be the guy right away. Um. So, yeah, I, I love the pick because it is uh, it's like a it's like a minor league player in baseball. You know, he's going to go get his reps in and and hopefully you're waiting, you know, two years down the line, three years down the line. He'll be ready to go and and maybe help you in some way. But I think it makes a lot of sense um, that Amani Bates is going to be, uh, you know, a couple years away. Won't be a storyline for very long, you know, just have, being in summer league. And once the season starts, I think we won't hear a lot about him Um in regards to the Cavaliers and, and the media availabilities and whatnot. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, at least he looks better than Victor Wemanyama after one game. <laughs>
1: really? You went there?
0: I did go there. <laughs> of course you did. Poor Vic. He, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He, that, that was rough, though. Rough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's summer league. If you remember the first summer league game, Evan Mobley got beat up and pushed around by Alperin Shangoon of the Houston Rockets, and everyone was like, oh, my God, Evan Mobley. Look at him getting pushed around. Oh, my God, he's too thin. He's not strong enough. There's no way he's going to be able to make an impact as a rookie, and then he almost won rookie of the year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, it's a big facetious comment. Like Yes, it is very much summer league, and you know, i I've, I just felt bad that all these people paid all this money and sold out crowd and <laughs> he goes out and just does not play well. So yeah, but the ceiling is very high and he'll hopefully he'll get there. Um in regards to the Cavaliers, anything else um in the short term? I mean, we uh you know the, the moves have been made, uh Jetty Osman going to the San Antonio Spurs, Lamar Stevens going to the San Antonio Spurs with Victor Weminyama. I think that's actually a good spot for them.
1: Yeah, I think it is, too. Um, I think Jetty's going to get some playing um, chances there. I think, you know, this is a team in San Antonio that is rebuilding, and they're looking for – it's hard to call Jetty Osman a veteran, but veterans that have been around a while that are low-maintenance, that are professional, that can kind of, like, help with the culture and help these young guys – learn what it takes um, and see what it looks like and all all that kind of stuff. Uh, There's value in having those. Um, That's the thing, right? When you're building or rebuilding, like some of these teams do, many of these teams do, you can't just have a roster full of kids. You have to have some guys on the roster that tie it together and know how to play the game and know how to be professionals.
0: Yes, completely. Makes complete sense. Um I was gonna say something else and I'm forgetting because I'm getting distracted here at the game. Um oh, so again, Cavaliers could make moves going forward. Um is there a potential for them to add another backup center? You mentioned I think Miles Plumley got signed, but somebody of that Mason Plumley, the good Plumley. Mason Plumley, Mason Plumley. Yeah. Um any chance for them to so bring in a guy in like that? Side?
1: Backup center
0: <laughs> because they've already made all the other How many moves? centers.
1: Does this team need
0: they've already made the other moves? I'm I, I didn't even want to mention it, but Bull Bull has my complete and full attention. Oh,
1: Jesus! Good lord,
0: why the not? Cavs have, the Cavs
1: have one open roster spot, they're basically two and a half to three million dollars away from the luxury tax. They have some more wiggle room, they could make some other moves to create some more space. Um, But they're basically looking at somebody on a veteran minimum contract. Um, I'm not saying this is going to happen, right? But at some point, the money um, in free agency is going to dry up. And some of these guys that wanted the mid-level are going to have to settle for way less. Okay, so somebody like Kelly Oubre Jr. does not have a spot right now. Right. Like, does he get to a point throughout the course of this off season, where he's like, I don't know where any money comes from. I just have to take like a one-year minimum deal and see if I can reboost my value. Or is there, like you said, a backup center like that? Or, or I don't think they're looking at a specific position. I think they're willing to be opportunistic when it comes to that final spot. And if they can get somebody on the cheap that probably shouldn't get that kind of contract, but is looking at that kind of contract because of the way other things played out in free agency, then I definitely think the Cavs would consider that. And I think that's how they're approaching what is basically their final roster spot, because we know that they like to keep a roster spot open
0: going into the season. Right. Otherwise they seem pretty set. You know, they, they got what they needed with shooting. They got what they needed with the wings um, they seem pretty set in that regard, so you got to feel pretty good about um, uh, about where they are at this point. Given that, you know, like we said, they needed shooting, they needed size, they needed wings. Uh, they got them. They got a little younger, a little more experienced. Um, or excuse me, not younger. They got a little more experienced, um, which always helps in the postseason. Got a little maybe more athletic. So I think, like I like we said earlier, I think the Cavaliers did a really good job, and I think now we're just going to kind of have to wait until October till we get this thing rolling.
1: I mean, to your point, Dario Saric just signed with the Golden State Warriors, so he adds bench depth, right? He got a one-year yeah. deal with the Warriors, basically like a proof-it deal. So yeah. is there somebody out there that the Cavs could potentially target to round out their roster? Sure, but whoever it is that they're going to sign is going to be very, very, very low on the depth chart because of the other moves that the Cavs have already made in free agency. Their top two targets were Max Struess and Niang, and they were able to get them both. And their number one priority, as I said and wrote about for Cleveland.com multiple times, and Kobe Altman confirmed yesterday in his Zoom call, their number one priority was Karis LeVert. Their number one and two targets from outside the organization were Struess and Niang. So they feel really, really good about what they were able to accomplish this offseason. And and who knows? We'll see if they're right. We'll see if Niang brings to them what they think he can. We'll see if Struis can be a starter-quality small forward. He's good enough to start for the Miami Heat, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. And they got to the NBA Finals with him starting at small forward. So they feel really good about this roster and the depth that they added. And I don't think they're sitting here saying, like, we've got to. Do something very very soon with this last potential roster spot
0: yeah it makes sense they're pretty much well ro- i mean like like i said earlier and like i'll say again last year we were saying the same thing the roster was pretty much set ready to go and things got shaken up so i don't think there's any uh yep. any finality to this but like i said at this point also it kind of seems like they're rocking ready to roll ready to roll for the uh for the next season so um barring anything crazy. Like you said, maybe a player uh, on a very, very low kind of totem pole deal. But seems like they're ready. And they they got better. I think that's the bottom line. They did. They got better.
1: Well, sure. I mean, I think anybody that makes an addition, by definition, is getting better. But, but I think what, what this offseason showed to me, Hayden, is that the Cavs had an honest assessment of their weaknesses and they yeah. knew exactly why they came up short against the Knicks. They knew exactly what holes they needed to fill. And they knew. They didn't have enough shooting. They didn't have enough spacing. And if if this core four was going to stay together and function well together and allow this organization to take the next step, then those weaknesses needed to be addressed first and foremost. Now we can see what it looks like with a shooter, a potential two-way wing in that starting five. Now we can see what it looks like with a more competent, comfortable, NBA-ready backup power forward in Niang. And again, we'll see if they're right. We'll see if these guys um, live up to their contracts. We'll see if these guys have the kind of impact that the Cavs expect them to have. But it definitely looks good on paper, And stylistically, the Cavs are going to be able to function a different kind of way because of the personnel that they've added this offseason. A big reason why they function the way they did offensively last year and defensively last year is because J.B. catered that offensively and defensively to his personnel. And personnel is oftentimes going to dictate how good you are and what kinds of things you can do offensively and defensively. And I just think the Cavs have a little bit more versatility. I think they have a little bit more diversity. And I think they have, um, this is a word that the Cavs front office likes to use, and I can't come up with a better one. They have more optionality.
0: Yep. I think it makes complete sense. Complete sense. All right, Chris. Um I hope that you find your keys somehow, some way. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I think, I hope it happens. Um, and we will continue to watch summer league Cavaliers continue to play summer league. And otherwise, like I said, we're going to just be kind of on the lookout for any kind of minor, minor things or major things, because right now it seems like the Cavs are, are rocking and ready to roll for the 2023 season. I saw miles Garrett suited up for the Cavs yesterday. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, that's an, another addition they could make in the off season signing miles Garrett to a, uh, Two way contract, you never know. <laughs> that would be his dream for sure. He would love that.
1: So, Miles can play basketball for the Cavs, and then Donovan Mitchell can go play baseball, and it'll be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and it'll be great. It'll be great. I was going to say that I, let's hope the Cavs' free agency moves work out better than the Guardians' ones because uh, Mike Zanino is no longer with the organization, <laughs> and Josh Bell has struggled pretty mightily to start the year. So, um, Let's hope Max Truce and George Yang can be greater than Mike Zanino and Josh Bell. How about that? How about that? That is me? a low bar. That is a, yeah, it's not a high bar. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for sticking with us despite some chaos today in the Wine to Go Talk podcast. Appreciate you. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page. Sign up for Chris's subtext. $3.99 a month. You know what? I think for the first time ever, and I know it's not going to come off well, I don't think this is the best time. To sign up for the oh. subject, I, oh. I, I I say it every time. I don't think this is the best time because the the free agency moves have already been made, the um the uh, the the draft has already happened. I mean, you you deserve some like off time here before the <laughs> season starts. So like maybe maybe if you're gonna really hold on to the three ninety nine a month and you're really penny pinching, maybe wait till like September. There you go. There you go. Because right now there it's kind of slow. To be honest with you. So uh,
1: not uh-huh. my subtext. It's still popping, my man. I'm still well, giving I'm all right. of the juicy nuggets.
0: All right. Well then like then maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there, maybe there <laughs> is no better time than right now to sign up for Chris's subtext. $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you gotta do is Cleveland.com slash calves, click the blue banner, or you can see the Cleveland.com post on which this uh podcast is supposed to just go to the down to the bottom and enter your information. There is no there is no bad time to sign up how about that? There's no <laughs> bad time. It is always a good time to sign up. Um, there's just, just better
1: There's
0: there. No, I'm not bad pedaling. I'm saying there's never a bad time, but there are better times than this. There, you go. there we go. That's what I'm going to finish with. All right, guys, have a great day. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Appreciate you. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. We will talk to you soon on the line. Top talk, talk podcast. Take care.